When the moon hits your eye Like a big pizza pie That's amore When the world seems to shine Like you've had too much wine That's amore for the judges and this multi-millionaire mogul now has the best kind of goal. We are here on Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast to officially rename this show Off the Podium, a Deferla Point Sisters podcast, because after six years, seven years of talking about it, trying for it, I'm going to give props to Ben for the first time ever. Ben has gotten three guests on today, the Deferla Point Sisters, Maxime, Chloe, and Justine, all here at the same time. Uh, ben, I will never say this again, but thank you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, and I repay you by embarrassing the shit out of you in this interview. <laughs> but um, no, it, 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 look, it was an interview I think we all wanted to do because I know how much you love our guests today, and always we sort of have a, an ongoing list of people we'd like to get on and everything along those lines. And I think sort of through the opportunity through this, uh, you know, a big thanks to Adrienne for, for hooking this up. Uh, you know, she'd sort of managed some other athletes who had got on the show and noticed that they were on her book. So sort of through discussions, uh, it went from maybe getting one of them to two of them to all three of them. So here we are. And uh, this is the happiest I have ever seen Colin <laughs> ever, I think, in life. I, I wasn't there on his wedding day, but I am assuming it's, this is happier than the day he got married. It, it's at least up there with us seeing James Bond sites um, <laughs> yeah. on our honeymoon. So uh, everything's tied together. But this this is you know, a fantastic. I mean, you kind of have your expectations after this many years and being some of the most high profile athletes beyond high profile athletes. We get into a little bit in this episode, like how big their empire is, even outside of uh, sports. But uh, you have your expectations. I mean, we, we get so many great stories from them and uh, particularly want people to, to pay attention. When we get to talk about one very important event that they all got to share together. And it wasn't even the Olympics. I think to me, that's, that's kind Actually, of the interview. Here. The highlight is Colin's is, interview. Yeah. This is so the we one. said, <laughs> how was this interview defer LaPointe sisters? And like, you know what, when the interview started, we thought, I'm not sure where this is going to go, but it ended up being the best interview ever. It's, um, it, I mean, it, look, in all seriousness, it is a great chat learning a lot. And I think that, you know, just the journey that all three of them have had and, and obviously, uh, you know, going on the world scene and competing at the highest level and the Olympic stories. And obviously Chloe went to an Olympics before both of them and Justine and Maxime joined them. And then obviously Maxime went to one, but then they followed on for other ones. Justine, a gold and silver medalist. I don't think we've mentioned that at all in this introduction, but we do have a gold <laughs> and uh, two silver medalists on this show as well. Um, so, yeah, so much here that you, you learn and unpack from all three of them. And this is the very first time we've ever... Had three guests on all at once. Yeah. So it's a, it's a stacked 
episode, a stacked interview, and Colin is just stacked with excitement right now. And everybody should be because it is the crystal globe of interviews. Uh, We're going to call it that from this day forward. Uh, So get ready to listen to it. The busiest chat we've ever had. The Deferla Point Sisters. Well, I've introed any episode we've had mogul skiers by saying we are going to interview people involved in the greatest sport known to man today. And it is also going to be a very full house, not just because we have the most people on the line we've ever had, but because there's that family connection, like a little show called Full House. Um, Three sisters, there's a lot of connections here. So we have a full house here of people we've talked about quite a bit over the last couple of Olympics. Uh, All three, Deferla Point sisters, Maxime, Chloe, Justine, all three of them here in one room, sort of, almost in one room. (laughs) And we are absolutely thrilled to have all three here. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Now, we always like to start off these interviews by asking how everybody got involved in a sport of choice. Now, I'm going to assume we have three sisters here. Typically, we interview people who will say, my sibling got me into it. I'm going to take a wild guess that, Maxime, you were... The instigator of this did it did it start with you and and if it did how did you come upon mogul skiing <laughs> yeah you're completely right um i started mogul skiing first but we it's important to know that we all skied very young it was just a family sport um we were three years old and our parents got us on the hill and they had friends with uh, kids our age and one of them did mogul skiing. So one day we went to watch his events and I was mesmerized. I just loved the jumping. I was very uh, intrigued by the sport and we were doing moguls in a way with our family going in the woods and doing small bumps. Our parents loved moguls. And I started campaigning to try to get into moguls. Our parents were not that keen on it just because they were going to lose their daughters. Uh, they were afraid of injuries. And it, it was just uh, everything snowballed. I started one day per weekend, one year, and the next year was the full weekend. And then my sister followed. And it, it turned out to be a really fun adventure that we just discovered day by day, kind of. I, I believe because you're all into sailing, if I'm not mistaken, so sort of a bit of a, a summer background. And I always like this transition between certain sports, particularly summer, winter, and you can kind of connect the dots. I don't really see much of a transition between sailing and mogul skiing. So, um, <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting one. But sort of on that level of where you had that background on that side of sports, switching into skiing, for all three of you, were there Olympic aspirations potentially for sailing? Was this something that you were doing competitively or did that Olympic sort of dream maybe switch to when you started uh, hitting the slopes and discovering the skis? No, no. Unfortunately, like sailing was more like a weekend getaway activity for our parents. It was not about competition or not about like race. Um, But I think, yeah, because when we were kids, we were so small being on one boat. It was more like for us the way uh, to spend quality time as a family during summertime. 
So we were pretty young. We were not into competitive selling. Now a little bit more. Now I'm more interested than ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, for, for my parents, they were just, yeah, they were like Jack Russell kind of dog. Like they were really like always moving, always excited for the weekend. So if it was not the boat, it was skiing or mo- doing something, you know? So it was that, that's where uh, the transition came from. <laughs> Now, how soon afterwards uh, was it like, were you all in quick succession, you started mogul skiing, you know, at the, at the same time, or was there a little bit of a, you know, maybe a wait to see? Because one thing I found interesting, Maxim, when you were talking about your parents, is that they weren't too crazy about it first, because they're kind of like known across the country now as maybe the most supportive parents of any Olympians we've ever seen. So it's almost mm-hmm. hard to imagine that they were hesitant. Was there a bit of hesitancy where like, we're going to let the older ones try it out. And then, you know, uh, then eventually, Justine, you can get there. Yeah, well, they yeah. kind of... Go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> you were... You start, so. This is okay, what we wanted. But, uh, we, we wanted you all to kind of have this. So this is great. <laughs> yeah, well, our parents just tried it out. So it was like negotiating. Let's try a little bit. And then it just expanded. Um, I started for about two years and then Chloe and Justin came in together and in, in this sport, which what is really fun is the support and it's like a small family. Mogul skiing is like a small family. So everyone knows each other, all the parents are involved. And I think that's where my parents started having their fun and realizing, okay, it's still quality time as a family and we're going to get involved and it, it's going to be fun anyway. Um, and it is, yeah, it just kind of, it wasn't what they expected for sure in their life to get involved with three daughters in high sports, but they, like you said, they were highly supportive because they, they thought about, possible like injuries and impact and they're like okay so you're gonna train so you're not gonna get hurt and they we had all of those uh agreement with them so that we'd still be good at school we'd still be um injury free as most as possible and they would support us this way obviously everyone who has siblings is always competitive with their siblings but i can imagine it just that high level of, of sport as you're progressing through the ranks it, it, it drives you to be a bit more competitive chloe i might start with you because obviously you end up at the olympics first but was there kind of a a competitiveness between all of you to try and reach that pinnacle to to win more competitions or was it a case of you just having so much fun being out there and competing with each other that you you maybe not kind of focusing on just beating each other all the time what is funny about our story is that like the three of us have kind of not the same path and we, the three of us have different point when we believe that it was possible to go at the games. On my side, I always, I always been the dreamer. Like, um, I wish when I was a kid to be a princess, you know, and uh, <laughs> you still so can admit if you want to be one, you still got time, right? We all do. Yeah. My, 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 I, when I went to bed, when I was a kid, I was like, mom, one day, am I going to be a princess? And she was like, maybe if you, you marry a prince, you know? <laughs> and so there was no limit about it. And the, the, the point that my parents, I think, accept us to go into the sport, it was like, there's no limit. They, they, they saw the brights in our eyes that we push ourselves, that we love the sport. 
And so they just follow. And at the same time, they realize that they, they were not um, part, they were part of that journey. So I think that's what they, they were pushing, not, not pushing us, but together in that story. And so uh, as soon as I started the sport, I was really in love with it, like jumping in the air. It was the, the, the feeling of flying, like really, I fall in love with the sport. And um, we were really little and there was a World Cup in Montreal. And so we went there for a weekend because it wasn't happening in the freestyle mogul skiing world when the World Cup was there. All the little ski club go to the World Cup to see all the champ. And at that time, it was Jennifer Isle. And so I saw her jumping and I was mesmerized. Like, I was like, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. So I put all, all the, the thing that, that I need to achieve that dream. And with fun, with pleasure, um, I just pushed myself to the game and it just kind of happened. I didn't like have the because it was so close kind of on my path when I, I went to the team and going to the game was like, if it's not this one, it was, it, it will be another one, but it just ended up that I was so much into like pushing myself that people saw it before me, you know, that the game was possible for me at 18 years old in Canada. So that was, uh, it, it, yeah, it was a big dream, but I mean, I worked for it, but I didn't like, it was not my first picture of the dream. The dream was to go on the highest level that I could go. Like, yeah. So follow up to that, Chloe. I mean, you, you talk about you had the dream of being a princess. Maybe one year you could do that. You're seeing Jennifer Hyle ski and you're in Vancouver and now you're her teammate, but you're also competing against her. And I mean, what, what was that like to uh, be able to, I don't know if she it was somebody you necessarily had a lot of exposure to that she had not have a mentorship with you. Like was, was there a lot of interaction as you're going to Vancouver and being able to be there with her and compete with her? Like what kind of impression did that make on you? Well, for sure. Um, at that time I didn't have a lot of like um, proximity and relationship because she, like she had their kind of own team, I had mine, and the team was pretty divided. Di, the no, se, separate. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of small team, and uh, so I didn't have a lot of contact. But when I saw her, like she was always really kind. And after the game, I remember like I was doing some interview in English. I was saying like the crowd. I want to say like the people there, but I was saying the cloud, and she was like silly. <laughs> But it was the first time that I was like by myself speaking English, like, and I really grew during that time. But um, she she did mentor me uh, going to the game in 2014 uh, because uh, when she retired, uh, I got the chance to work with um, Wayne Aliwell, who was his psych psychologist and so um he was like well i know that you really have jennifer Al as an idol uh she would be willing to have some conversation with you so i was going mm -hmm. into her living room and we were having talks about the future camps and how to see the competition so um after when she retired i really got a precious time with her and um we we, we develop at this time a relationship, you know? 
always love finding out from our guests just those initial Olympic experiences outside of the competition, you know, the atmosphere, everything along those lines. And I kind of want to direct this to each of you separately because you obviously have different first-time experiences. But for Vancouver, obviously, Chloe, your first Olympics, huge home support, everything you're talking about. And then obviously for Justine and Maxime, you're there no doubt supporting her and not competing. So I guess to each of you, let's start with Justine. What was that like, I guess, in Vancouver being able to support Chloe being there, not obviously competing at that stage, but obviously cheering on your sister at that point? Um, well, at that time, I was only, I think, uh, 15. Um, so, you know, like a 15 years old girl don't really understand what it truly means, the impact and how big it is, <laughs> the Olympic game, you know? You see, I saw it on TV, but I couldn't really understood like what it truly means to have a sister who go participate and represent our country. So going there to Vancouver, I remember I was um, I was really excited. I was really really happy for my sister, and I think um, going there, it's really when I hit the city that I realized how big it was, how gigantic. You know, like to see in one day the whole city of Vancouver, everyone wearing maple leaf all the way. You know, like if it was for me, my first experience seeing how Canadian can be proud of their country it, and it was amazing. And I really, um, I remember that day, it was really impressive of the opening day and to go to the opening ceremony and just like experience what it truly is about the Olympic game and seeing the world being all together with, without war, without battle, without any politics, it, it's just about celebrating the greatest athlete in the world and I fell in love with that I think it was truly you know a hit point into my career and when I saw Chloe during her event you know like I saw World Cup event I saw a couple of competition of mogul but to seeing it at that level to see the spotlight and all the ambience being so lit up and everyone stop and just watch Chloe for 30 seconds. It was just like, Oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> this is what I want to do. And at that moment I was already on the Quebec team. So I was already like good in my sport, but you know, like I was not really driven by any goal. I was just like doing it because it was fun, but it, it was really there that I was like, yep. Yeah, this is what I want to do. Like, this is truly what I want to be part of. Fantastic. Just before Chloe and Maxime, you, you answer that question. One thing you touched on there, obviously your age, I believe you are the same age as Australia's great Brit Cox. And she was competing at those games at 15. So like, did you look at her or like, do you look back and now and thinking like at 15 competing at an Olympics like that, how maybe you could have uh, handled that situation? Oh my God. I would have loved that. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it would, I, I just thinking about it, I think it was an amazing experience for her. I think any 15 years old girl, like would have loved to have that chance because, you know, when you're so young, I think you don't have that like filter and you're not like, you, ha you have such a different perspective that it's, I think the greatest thing it could happen. Yeah, absolutely. Chloe, I mean, obviously different experience for you though, but like soaking up that atmosphere going on, just what Justine was saying as a, as a competitor, I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit there uh, before, but I mean, just 
everything about that Olympic experience, you know, the, the maple leafs everywhere, Vancouver just going off. I mean, how, how were you sort of dealing with that at your first Olympics? Oh my God. Uh, I didn't expect anything. Like I was truly like in a roller coaster and I didn't know what to expect. You know, there was like scary parts, <laughs> funny parts and like all together, I was just in it. And so to prepare on that experience, when I knew I was at the game, uh, we always have like a pre-Olympic camp that we do like uh, in the west of Canada. Something is was close to Vancouver. So I went there with my coach and I said to my parents and my family and everybody that was in contact with me that I didn't want to talk to them for two weeks before the Olympics because I was like, I want to be strong enough to have like a relationship with my coach and be able to, um, uh, how do you say, um, Alive. all, all the, um, all the, the defeat, like the goal, the, the struggle that would be in my road. And so I didn't talk to my parents for two weeks and wow. I, and then I arrived there and it was super calm. Vancouver was really quiet because you arrived always like a week or two before the event. And so Vancouver was really normal for me. Like we, I knew I had the village and you go there and everything is free. You're like, what? <laughs> and it, it, like, there's a lot of thing that can disturb you, but I'm, like I said, when I have something in mind and I know what's my goal, like I'm not really easy to um, go off the road, you know, I will stick to what I, I have planned. So it was it was fine with me. But at the end, when I when at the, the night of the race and when the um, opening ceremony uh, arrived, the old Vancouver city changed, like Justin said, there was Canadian Maple Leaf everywhere and i couldn't realize that the cd has changed like this yeah and so right. it, like the energy it was the energy that we could feel it was like there was no more emptiness it was like all the world was there to support and it, it was just i stayed the whole time at those games and i went to visit other sports to see them compete doing some competition and I was I really kind of discovered like um being like and I discovered the city by myself and Maxim was there with me pretty much the whole time but like I never took a taxi by myself before that so this is where I I started to to uh gain more confidence and like be okay I can do this like it's fine and Fantastic. so yeah. Great story. Maxine, I mean, what, again, similar to what we've obviously talked about there, but for you, your experience, and then getting to see your, your younger sister catch a taxi for her first time, that's been a thrill <laughs> as well. Uh, yeah. So in my situation, I was already on the Canadian team, which meant that I didn't qualify for the games. But because it was a home Olympic, home soil Olympic, um, we had a, the opportunity to uh be forerunners so I was one of the chosen one and it meant that I had this very privileged situation of skiing the course as an athlete without being an Olympian so I could really see and start to feel that Olympic vibe and and 
everything that comes with it as an athlete. And I was also on the other side, whereas I was uh, a cheerleader for Chloe, a supporter. And I did stay with her the the whole two weeks. Uh, We had sponsors that were scattered out to in Vancouver. So we, we would just every day we would meet at the Hudson's Bay grab some food free food and free drinks and we just r- went along it was the city canada. Not- well, yeah canada. It was canada. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so we just pack food and then go without not sure about our schedule watch some events and we we had a blast um and like my sister described i i did feel the same energy emerging from this city that it was all about sharing it was all positive it was just celebrating what humankind the best of humankind and from what struck me was the olympic values of being like trying to reach for more of the best of your, the best version of yourself and it like justine it was that moment when i saw chloe compete that i really understood what the olympics were all about that I was like, okay, I want to be part of that movement. I want to become an Olympian and because those values resonates with me. And it was a, definitely a turning point in my career where I just decided, all right, next four years, let's put the work in and get to Sochi. And, and speaking of, I mean, we're speaking of Sochi, we'll kind of get the same thing, experiences from all three, because four years later, all three of you there. A couple of things I just want to put in perspective for people who are listening, who may not be aware of everything, but uh, the dominance of Canada going into those Olympics was like unprecedented. I mean, one of the first guests we had on this podcast years back was Andy Naughty. And Mm. she talked about how she was ranked one of the top in the world, but yet couldn't make the Canadian team. Now, I believe four uh, female skiers are sent and three of them are made up of your family. I mean, (laughs) put, put that in perspective, like how, how unprecedented is it that something like that happens? And then I guess go through all of your experiences. We'll go backwards here again, you know, Justine, if you want to start, you know, you walk away with the the gold medal and uh, you're competing against two of your sisters in the finals. Like, could you ever imagine that you would be there? Um, I don't know. I think, I think back then, like I was, we were so young. I was so young. I, I think there was just nothing that was impossible to my mind. I think I always been that driven person. I never had or felt like I had limit. So I think if someone would have told me, well, you know what, you're going to win the Olympic game with your sister and go all the three of us. I don't think I would really like say hell no, but I would say, Hmm, that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> that would be actually <laughs> my reaction. I feel like now I'm like, Oh my God, this is <laughs> sometimes I, yeah, I, I guess I'm, I still don't realize how big it was. I think it, it truly get bigger in my head when I'm thinking about it further, it goes away with years. I think now I'm like, Oh my God, this was really rare. I think when you're so in it, you're so living your life and it's just your, your normal, I would say mm-hmm. you don't realize how big and then how like unique it was until now, I, I guess. <laughs> and for us, why it was so like 
normal. I guess it was an old buildup. Like as soon yeah. as we, I finished the Vancouver Olympic, the three of us was training together. Um, we were still in high school, Justine and I. So Maxim was picking up after like our, our course at home. After school, we were driving an hour to go to the gym together. And of course, after a day at school, we were like, oh, it's not always fun to go train. But because we were three, one of us was always more motivated than the other. So we were like up getting to it because we wanted to be the best. And so it was, it, it's a buildup of healthy yeah. competition and being mm -hmm. able to um, living our, our good and our bad like days together. And so for, for sure, it was a surprise to be able to be the three of us like at the Olympic, but in the same time, we were able to reach other level together. And, and one thing that is good about competition that is so tight in Canada is that it's, it's so hard to get there. So you're not allowed of mistake. You cannot miss at one point. You have to be on point pretty much all the time. Otherwise, some, somebody else will have your spot. So I think it's, a, it's, a, it's hard but it's a good competition. Yeah, we were so strong at that point, like you said, um, and it was a buildup from four years of work with awesome athletes on the team, awesome coaches. It was a really well-rounded uh, program around athlete well-being, and we could have sent six women, six men to the Olympics and still had taken the top, of uh, the field, it was it was just crazy strong in Canada, and it's unfortunate for some athletes, um, but that's how sports goes, unfortunately. And I think we were the cool thing about us is that we do work together, but we also keep in mind that we have our own road to walk and build and and challenge to face. So we each own our journey, but support each other through it. And that was definitely our strength throughout our whole career and which, and what made probably a difference in Sochi. And Chloe and Justine and I had some podium prior to the games. Uh, Chloe and Justine podium together. So it wasn't anything um, that didn't happen before. Uh, it's just that time it happened in, in front of the whole world and managing that pressure and keeping um, still performing the way we do in World Cups into Olympics is also a big game <laughs> uh, for which we were prepared. Just before you, you ask a question, Ben, I just want to think you're downplaying a little bit when you say we had some podiums because um, <laughs> I, I, if I, I had to look this up because I remembered a lot of dominance, but all the World Cup events, and if you include the Olympics in there, and between the three of you, only one time were one of you not on the podium that year, leading into the Olympics, including the Olympics. Which <laughs> Are you serious? That's the only time, only one time that entire season where one of the DeFrilla Point sisters is not sitting there on the podium, World Cup and Olympics, which that, is that's, incredible. That's a bit um, dominant. That's a little bit dominant. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's now it makes sense. Thank yeah. you for rectifying this situation. <laughs> you're just so used to it that basically you just end up rocking up to the podium after an no, event. The one time you're not. 
we're so like close to what we want to achieve and we all as an athlete we always think about what's next how we can be better and so mm -hmm. i just feel Sometimes we don't realize what we accomplished really, like all the impact and everything, what this it's mean. So, you know, like you make us realize what we kind of miss. <laughs> <laughs> I think for us, we're, we're all so much focused on the performance itself, the way we ski, the feeling we've had. Honestly, I don't really remember most of my results in numbers but I, i i remember the feeling very well of every competition whether i did good or bad i think it, it comes down to that because i mean one stat that i wanted to point out and this kind of ties into that conversation because going on what all three of you are saying when you're competing you're winning you're doing well you go to the olympics medal all that sort of stuff i'm sure you're not all there with a little notebook ticking off all right podium every race i've broken this like like you're you're doing oh. what you're doing to do that and then kingsbury does that yeah, I kingsbury bet. like he's got he's, he's got a very thick notebook that puts in his pocket but then it's up to people like us i guess to point out statistics because the one that fascinated me was that you would think that going one two in an olympics from sisters is a rarity that maybe had never happened before you were the third set of sisters in the history of the olympics to go one two at the olympics like that's insane i looked this up basically 1964 in innsbruck in the slalom we had french skiers i'm going to butcher the name sorry to uh everybody in the french language right now Marielle sorry to all of our french speaking exactly guests. uh and christine goitschel and in 1992 in alberville we had a pair of sisters in the luge From Austria, Doris and Angelica Nainer go one, two. Um, so, I mean, it's just insane to think that this is a, a, a winter-based thing. But is that something going on my long-winded point here that those sort of things mean something a little bit extra? Like, you know, Justin and Chloe, that you can kind of look at the back that it's such a rare thing that this has happened and that you're sharing that podium with your sister and this very unique moment just became even more unique for the pair of you. Of course, of course it's it's unique and we know how like special it was i i think because like chloe said earlier we were going through the same process every single day ahead of that day so for us that's why like we're saying it was not a surprise because she was not like she did not start a freestyle mogul like a month before the game so that's why we were all into the process of going to the game together so like we didn't know what could happen we didn't know what was the outcome but i think that was probably the best outcome we could have dreamed of that's for sure and that's why i think we know that it's so rare and so magical and i think that's for sure one of our dearest memory of Sochi yeah. and was not actually like for me, I don't, it's not about my gold medal or, or, or silver medal, but it was actually to share the podium together, to hold hand together on the podium, because that was what I remember the most, the look that we had to each other. I've got, I've got to ask, I've got like, I, like, I love that. But, and, and this is maybe for Chloe, like, you know, it, it's great. You share everything you're saying, but is there part of you, Chloe, that's just like, fuck i just cannot beat you. you like you love you love your sister to bits but surely there's part of you like smile this is great but fuck come on <laughs> no it's not about that um i was like what did i miss i was more like what <laughs> what did i do a mistake did i like this was it was not about 
the middle of Justine. It was about my performance, like, because of course I wanted to be on top. And it's, it's freaking bad to say that I was thinking about that and I won the civil medal. Like in my head, I had this little voice. I was like, just shut it down. Like you have to, why? Like, but it's like the mechanism that just go with it. And it's that, it never ends. Like for athletes, we want to have the perfect run. And until you get the gold, you, you don't have it. But at some point I come them, I come my little hamster and I was really appreciate that moment because I, I saw all the work that I put it in to get that, to get, and it's not the, the, the middle to get the middle. Yes. When you have a gold, you, you figure the middle, the piece and everything. But when I have it, I just realized that it was all the process that I'm most proud of and how I was able to live that day with stress, with uh, many runs to do, uh, skiing at night when we never ski at one o'clock, uh, and all the things that took to make that performance happen and how I control all the idea during that event. And I think this is what's the most important in everything in life, you know, so. And meanwhile, Maxime, middle- at Christmas at you, Maxime got the extra piece of uh, turkey because you two had Olympic medals, so therefore Maxime deserves <laughs> a little bit of extra meat at Christmas maybe. <laughs> well, becoming, uh, to push, to, to work on that question, you know, I, I ended up 12 at the Olympics and mm-hmm. during the media tour, everyone was asking me, how do you feel? Are you jealous? And um people don't know every athlete's story Mm. you know it's not it's not a walk in the park there's ups and downs for everyone and my journey to get to the games was a journey of self-development i've learned so much about myself i've grown so much into it and up to the point of meddling which uh, in world cup which gave me my tickets to sochi and I um, I was a big athlete of training. I would do all the runs you want. I was great training, but performing, I was always worried about uh, perfection and I would ski less of myself just because I wanted to look good. And I had to work through that. And in Sochi specifically, the course was hell to ski. It was so hard and technical, but you had to just throw yourself at it if you've had a chance to ski fast and well. And I remember to get to that top six, uh, my coach told me you need to ski one second faster. And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do that. And so I skied faster, but I I missed the bump. Somehow something happened when my feet split it up, little mistake, ended up finishing my 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 run and I was proud of myself because in that moment of the highest stress possible, my choice was still to put myself down the line to ski that run faster that would make me access top six rather than choosing over against perfection, skiing slower and not having a chance to get that top six. That time I did a mistake, but the whole point of this was that I did 
to the right choice. Absolutely. And the, out, the outcome was different, but it was my own medal. And I was so proud of, so becoming an Olympian for me was a medal. The result, I came close to getting there as well, but. I love um, hearing that. Sorry to jump in there. It's and all, jump in column, it's but fine. I love hearing it, that. It, yeah. It's always like, it's an individual journey, like Absolutely. my sister said. And it was after that, it was like party all the time for the whole two, two weeks with my Your sisters. Were golden well, you're getting free shit alongside with them. Well, I'm with them. <laughs> yes. Air Canada first class. I'm, I'm on board. Let's go. Come on. But like, just, just add, add to that. Saying, go ahead. Well, I, was, I was just going to say, I mean, you, you, you finished 12th. I mean, it, now you're looking percentage wise top 12 skiers in every four years it's a pretty large percentage from one family there <laughs> and uh a quarter i guess get 25 percent of the the top 12 skiers in the world all uh, from one household um but uh you know along those lines i mean there's going to be a huge moment which i actually would wonder if if it tops for all three of you would uh top even the olympics and that's a very important World Cup. And, you know, you'd each had World Cup podiums leading up to a certain point. And then I don't know if it was a year, two years, something after uh, Sochi. Two. All three, two years after Sochi, one, two, three. Three guests on this episode make up one podium. Oh, thank you, Colin. I'm glad you noticed that I was on that ben podium. Ben was there. I'm sorry you were left out that time, Justine. Yeah, ben sorry, took your Justine. Spot, but... <laughs> I was really on form that day. I kicked <laughs> ass. What can I say? I was 12. That's how I, I know how it feels. But, uh, <laughs> But that moment was something that's still talked about today. It's funny because I like, I, it honestly is my favorite sport. Like I am bigger into moguls than I am hockey. My desk at work has pictures of, you know, you guys are a picture on my desk. I've got, you know, backgrounds. <laughs> we'll of get mogul to that. Courses. Don't worry. We will get to that. Yes. <laughs> but uh, uh, people will ask me, what is this? I'm like, oh, it's mogul skiing. Like which people ask, what's mogul skiing? I'm like, oh, you know, it's the one where they go down the hills and I'll tell the story. I'll be like, you know, uh, we Canada had gold and silver in both men's and women's in Sochi. You know, there are three sisters and people will say, oh, yeah, we're, we're all three sisters on the podium at the same time. This World Cup finish is still today is remembered at the same level as the Olympic. I mean, all three of you, you know, whoever wants to go first, because we really have to get all three of your experiences of that, being able to be on the podium at the same time. That day was crazy. It was like a day that we didn't really talk to each other, but we felt that this could happen. Like... We were, yeah. we were clearly on a vibe. We were yeah. clearly having a vibe. We were first at home. It was in Val Saint home. So it was home. And to know, like, to have their family and all the crowd is really cheering for Canadian. Like, it's actually really something. When Whenever we had a World Cup event in Val Saint home, it was the, like, biggest crowd for Canadian. Like, people were mm -hmm. lit about this race. So I think we had just all a great vibe that day. We were such in a mood, like we were prepared. We we're in fire mode. And I think at some point we're just doing our own like thing. Whenever we're training and competitive, we're in competition. We're never really like stop and hang out, you know, like you're doing your thing and you're focused all the we way. All exactly. We all have to. And then at some point I think we cross each other at the top because how it works, it's like qualification, then final, then final, then super final. And then when you're at the top and you know you're going to go for your last run in super final, 
well, there's only six people. And you can mm-hmm. see that out of those six people, there's the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> so as the people out there is the Fola Point sister. You're like, okay, well, we have quite of a chance here <laughs> to, you know, maybe <laughs> sweep that podium. I think we all had that moment of like, okay, that could be real. And that oh shit moment, because it's kind of freaking you out in a way. Like you don't want to mess thing out or like mess, yeah, shit out. I would say more because I think we're allowed to say those. I'll say it plenty. Come on, more of it. (laughs) But yeah, I think yeah. So Max went first. Yeah, well, like Justin (laughs) said, actually, when you start focusing on the results, that's where you get lost in sport. You got to go back to focusing on the process. And this is, like my sister said, this is what happened at one point for each of us on that day. And we were just like, okay, let's go back to the to how to get there process. And I was first one to go do my run. I came, So the way it works uh, with the last top six, your score is said right after your run. So you know where your ranks. And I take first place uh i'm not sure where i was standing i think two girls were behind me and chloe's the next one to go and she skis well takes the lead again so there's two of us and two more girls to go one american girl and then justine who's who was uh leading at the moment from the previous run and I remember that American girl going, she was a good skier. I remember her being young. Um, so you never know what's going to happen with experience and stressful moments, how you're going to manage. And unfortunately, she just, she, she looks like she's having a crazy run, really good, really solid. And then at one point in the middle, she just, boom, <laughs> explodes, fall, and makes her way down which means that the the podium is wide open for Justine. And Chloe and I are just like looking at each other and like, <laughs> just get down. <laughs> Don't do too much. Just get down. <laughs> well, so at that moment, I played my part, which was being the last one to go down. And like I said, the crowd is insane at the bottom. You could hear the presenter like I could hear what's going on down there and the hype and the energy and I remember I was like okay this everybody. is it this is like <laughs> yeah yeah everybody are waiting down the line for me to perform and I don't know like I, I think I always been really a seeker for performance on the band I love that I love that vibe and it's just like give me that boost of confidence of you know what I'll do it. And I, I just remember it took a nice breath, like a, a last breath and being like, yeah, this is, this is now or never, you know, like this is our chance to do it. And I did, yeah, one of my best run ever. And when I crossed the finish line, I knew like it was, it, it was, it you was good to go. Up. 
So <laughs> I did not fuck up. That's like line. We were we knew we were safe. Like no matter the the score, we were like, you yeah. got it. It's this. Wow, Colin, what, what were you watching yeah. this, Colin? Did you did you like, I was, blow up as well? I watched every event. Yeah, <laughs> I I was just trying to think in my head. I'm like, has this ever happened before? And I I don't know whether it has or not. I mean, maybe any of you can answer that question. We actually did it once, uh, but at a Canadian Championship in yeah, dual moguls. Yeah, well, that was yeah. the only time we did. It was a small event, but it, yeah, it, it was pretty big in our career but i think in mogul skiing at large wow. and i personally i remember thinking that made my career that day like that was the thought i had in my mind this this is why i skied for so long that's insane this is why i did it all wow were your parents there that day were they watching this were they in the crowd of course yeah <laughs> wow that's not just... only them family friends uh, like On Justin that, said, it was yes. a home event. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the party like that night then? I can't imagine you guys probably got much sleep. Uh, well, it was a natural party. Like uh, usually when we do uh, have a World Cup at home, um, usually it's in our cottage. But at that time, I don't know why we went back home in, in Montreal. Everybody came in. We ordered uh, chicken. Chicken. And eat together and have some cheer and yeah and at the end the three of us were like we don't have legs anymore like you should <laughs> like like the, the those days are super long and like we we aim for a bed but um like our leg was so sore like wow. it, it like the the pinch the the wave was there <laughs> It was worth it though. I've been to Montreal, one of my favorite cities in the world, and I, I know it's a city that knows how to party. So I can imagine that that definitely uh, that happened. One thing I wanted to touch on actually, um, we we started our show in 2016, so we we covered Pyeongchang. We were doing daily episodes, and we were actually on air during the Moguls event. And I wish I actually had the clip to play right now because uh. Colin went off basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> eventually when Justine obviously you got the silver but um it was one of my favorite moments of of those games uh Colin I, w I want you to just uh, can you recreate it right now of you going off at that moment when you realized that Justine had gotten another medal because uh I, again I wish I, I had the clip I, to play right now I wish I could remember I think I lost consciousness I think he did <laughs> because then fast forward to Beijing when we're covering and basically oh, yeah. My coverage here in Australia was, I think, maybe like a minute or two ahead of, of Colin's while we were over Zoom. And I like I was watching what was happening and Colin's like, don't joke, don't joke. Like they're on the hill. I don't I don't want you to, you know, and like, I'm seeing what's happening. And I've just got I think at one point I went like, Oop! and he's like, what's happening? I'm like, nothing. I thought nothing. he I 100% thought he was joking. I'm like, and don't I'm mess Colin. with me. <laughs> so I'm riding emotions with Colin here because I think I want to embarrass him right now because behind him there on the wall. Uh, I don't know if you want to point out where I'm actually uh, going here. So Colin, I, I see it. it's backwards. There we go. You've actually you're our first ever guest here. That Colin's actually got photos with uh, well, two of you. Sadly, Maxime, you're not on there, Colin. I don't know yeah. why. Come on. You can if you know if one day I end up in an emergency room in Montreal, you can replace Kingsbury at the top of this frame here. <laughs> I'm just Amazing. trying. To, I'm basically embarrassing Colin here of his fandom of all three of you. So that's just the point of that. <laughs> Colin, talk Aww. up a bit more of this. Come on, I, I feel you need to. I, you know. 
Well, uh, I actually do want to ask questions about Beijing, but yeah, I, I will would go to Calgary when they still had it before pandemic and everything. I would go by myself every single day. I actually tried to get my wife to go with me. She's like, I don't want to fly. That's too much. Just go yourself. So I would go to Calgary just to watch the Moguls World Cup. And I think one year wow. I went and I, I was like, waiting around and I'm, I'm getting pictures with Jalen Koff and Kuma Hiroshima and Perrin Lafont. I mean, you, you, you're both being flooded and Kingsbury's being flooded and I had to go to the bathroom so bad. So I go all the way back to go to the bathroom. Like by the time I come back, you're gone. And so I'm like, all right, I got to come back next year. So the next year I come back, I'm like, I am not moving anywhere until I get a picture with the Defer Point sisters <laughs> and Mikhail Kingsbury. And I think with Kingsbury, he was literally out. And I'm like, please don't leave you. Please don't leave you. It was me and one other guy taking pictures. But yeah, so you made the wall of fame and I need to get Maxime in there. So we got to get Kingsbury out of this frame here. He's got to go somewhere else. I need to have one full frame one day. <laughs> well, sounds like a good plan. I noticed how John Montgomery is the biggest one though. Like you're, you're just in the little frame. That's sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> we did have John, Mo- I had to send John Montgomery a picture of that. Cause it wasn't on video, but I had to prove to him that was there. But on the topic of Beijing, I mean, the other thing that was really funny in our coverage of Beijing was that, uh, the media coverage in Australia, very different from here. And as you can't, right? Come events, on. Sorry. No, yeah, well, seen it, Chloe, but like, they, come on. We're still celebrating. Good come job. On. Yes. <laughs> but I couldn't even tell you like two or three days later, we're talking about, all right, well, what's CBC covering? And I'm like, CBC still showing replays of Chloe and Justine at the bottom of the hill. Like it, it, but it's weird because you think that would be this sad moment, but it's, I think it's something weird with Canada where, uh, and I'm saying weird in a good way, they're like Canada will embrace the way somebody takes defeat. And what happened, you know, Justine, you wiping out and then Chloe, I think part of that, and I remember us even asking, um, uh, who was it? Um, uh, somebody else who had a sister there. We had somebody on oh, who had a sister. Uh, Sophie and Gabby Ash. Sophie, yeah. yeah. Sophie Ash, sure. So in your event, and her sister was not at that event, but just that experience of being a pandemic games and not having that support. And I think that maybe that's one of the reasons why Canada latched onto that footage so much. Uh, I mean, you can go through your experiences of that or talk just about like the media coverage of that, but do you get more attention for Beijing and that one moment, which Canada just seems to love so much over even Sochi where you're walking away with gold and silver? Well, I don't know. I don't think we had, well, it's, it's for sure different. Those games were really pandemic style. So they were not super like, like we did not connect. And the thing is we did not have really that many people around us when it happened. So you feel so disconnected to the world. So when it happened, it felt like we were just like having this moment of, yeah, I had my breakdown where I cried and I am and Chloe was there to support me at that moment which I was so grateful and and Max was there as well because she was in Beijing as a mentor and she gave she made it so she was able to be at the bottom of the hill to be there to this important day god bless Max to be there I think it was just like so important to have both of my sister that day I think it's hard to go to the game. I guess it's harder to crash at the game, but it makes it way like much better to go through it with your best partner in life, which is my best friend, my sister. So I think in a way, maybe that moment, I think got 
a lot of coverage from what I heard from my mom <laughs> because <laughs> I did not watch really much the TV at that moment. We were in China. But, um, but yeah, I think it was quite surprising to see how much Canadian were shook or really obsessed with those image, maybe more than, than Sochi, because I think that's maybe one of the first time that you can, I don't know, like you're not only celebrating a, a hero that is so far of you, you know, like sometime a medal, or it's, it can be unattainable, but when you see someone crying because he crashed and he's heartbroken, you can feel the same thing at home in your couch because you, you've been through the same at some point, felt this, the same way that I had. So I think I we connected with Canadian on maybe a deeper level at that day. And I think it, just to add on, um, I think it's, it's an, a pandemic Olympic and everybody at that point needed that hug. And so even like even viewers, because like Colin. viewers have been separated from fam. Well, I'm just I just mean like viewers are separated <laughs> from viewers are separated from their families and everything. Like so everybody kind of identified with, you know, oh, I'm down and there's nobody around me. Like I think that maybe that's part of what it was. Maybe it was, like, a, yeah. was it? It was it was all about humanity, you know, mm. rising from challenging and showing vulnerability. Um, yeah, I remember talking to Justine when she got down the hill, <laughs> crying all over emotions. And um, I wanted to make sure that I was like, okay, it's normal what you're feeling. Like you can ha let it out now, but you're going to have to, to get out of this zone. You need to go talk to the media. And this is going to be your opportunity to define yourself in the way that you want. They're going to remember what you're going to say and not what happened on the hill based on what you're going to tell them. And I think it resonated with her and she delivered mess a message that anyone could relate to. Uh, in times of difficulty and how to be sad yet being through it and having the strength to walk through it as well. Um, and it was kind of a, an interesting continuum of our story. Uh, people saw us in the celebration of medals and they saw us down and yet Still being just as close so I think as it was more of a human being connection of wow support it, it was way beyond per performance it was about connection and human support uh, this is my point of view yeah, I think it's it's a good thing you touched we I mean not to the extent but obviously from the Australian angle with Matt Graham obviously not um you know being able to back up what he did in Pyeongchang and he sort of broke down in his interview on our network here and, and the discussion was sort of around that and you know Australia sort of rallied behind him you know sort of he felt like he'd let the country down and we're sort of like well no of course you didn't like you came into this with this you know terrible injury and you just on the top of the hill like it was, it was you know a, a achievement to get there in itself but it's sort of that level of what you're all sharing there and and kind of I think with the pandemic you know obviously really adding to all of that I've, I've got a 
couple of questions. We're, we're going to close it out and I'll let Colin handle that sort of the, the closing set of questions we've got because it's always fun when we've got a guest on the show who's actually already answered these questions. But just a couple of quick fire ones. Just on the Australian angle, I've got to ask it. Um, I don't know how much back in the day you guys had interactions with a certain Dale Begg Smith. He is a, an icon of our country and obviously, you know, Canadian born and raised <laughs> sort of. Um, I mean, did you guys interact with the goat much at all? Sorry, Macau, but Dale's the goat. Um, I, I just, I always need to get any Dale Begg Smith stories. If any of you have any to share, just quick fire question to you. Not Not really so close to him. No, I say you no. I was too it young. Was- when I won the World Cup, like all the people up there was like way older than me. So like it was not kind of a, and I was not going in the bar and everything. Like He's got a I private was- island. I'm just, I just didn't know if he'd like, he'd ever like invited <laughs> any of you out there to celebrate like the, the medals in Sochi or anything like that. He was definitely some, someone we look up to. Mm-hmm. Like we knew he was an amazing skier and was impressive, impressive to watch. I think he was, Definitely part of all our inspiration. He's an enigma. Um, He's such an enigma yeah. in this country. <laughs> I, I just he was an enigma. But not that. Like <laughs> the story. No. Every time we have any mogul yeah, skier, it's like the stories we get from him because he literally just disappears. Like I don't think anyone in Australia's heard from him since Sochi and he left. So you know. <laughs> no, it's it's so weird. I think he was an enigma to everyone. Uh, on the freestyle world as well. I think when um, we skied together, we were so young. I, well, he was there in Sochi mm-hmm. and I was only 19. I remember one party in Sochi that we saw each other, um, that we had a chat, but I don't remember <laughs> the chat. <laughs> so, um, that, yeah, that, that's enough, that Justine. That's much- enough. You had a chat with him at a party. <laughs> to me, that's answered the question. That's, that's, I, I'm, I'm satisfied with that. Just quickly, too, um, we always like to find out from our medalists, what do you do with the medals? Are, are they on display in a sock drawer? Like, I mean, kind of, is there the Deferla Point Museum coming soon? Like, I mean, uh, sort of... Uh- <laughs> It's hidden. Hidden, so right? <laughs> yeah, we're secretly trying to rob all our guests. We never admit that, but you know. <laughs> okay, yeah. I have. You know, uh, are not the people hidden. that goes with the middle in a, a party or like with our family party, even though we we want it and everything. They, if they ask, we'll show them. But it's not everywhere in our house. I don't like to have picture of like, I. I we always felt that th- this is not what made us like, mm-hmm. but w- when I retired, I was like, well, it's a big part of me, but it's just like, I, I think I don't want to see it. Like, I think we don't see it as the media see it. Okay. I get like, that. Yep. I I'm, I'm just saying, I'll just say one thing with the Sochi medals. I think I voted that as our, my favorite medal from the Olympics when we did mm-hmm. it. They're a beautiful oh. looking medal. Actually, and I realized the reason why you two were so upset in Beijing, it wasn't because you crashed out. It's because you weren't going to get a Bing Duen Duen. That's why. Like oh. you were actually upset that, <laughs> you know, you didn't want the medal in Beijing. You wanted the, the golden Bing Duen Duen at the end. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, I know. Yes. Yeah, that's a disappointing. One, one final thing. And Colin, then I'm going to hand it to you because this is a, a newish question that actually was born from a mogul skier. And I think, Colin, you know where I'm going with this. This is the most random question each of you will get asked in your entire careers, but let's go with this. What is your favourite meatloaf song? Meatloaf. Meatloaf. <laughs> you know the singer Meatloaf? Do you, do you know much of his music at all? 
Nope. Nope. Oh, okay. Let's, let's Not being say, in Quebec. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's just say Ben asked Olivia Jacho uh, her favorite meatloaf song because her hometown is the same as meatloaf. And then he immediately on air labeled it as the second worst question he's ever asked. In there was context. <laughs> Olivia lived in a town where meatloaf apparently lived. And I think she had the same reaction to you guys. Like, yeah, I didn't really know who meatloaf is. So it kind of <laughs> was born from that. Yeah. Um, All right. Colin, we do have to ask it though. It's it's mandatory. <laughs> it uh, I have uh, before we get to final things. I have. Uh, uh, one individual question for each of you, and then one question j- just for all of you that you can all answer if you know. But uh, just the individual questions. I'll start with Chloe because uh, you know Ben, you talked about um, you know with uh, Justine winning the gold, and Chloe, you were saying like you know oh like what could I have done to win the 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 gold instead of the silver? Um, the season where you walked away with the Crystal Globe. Uh, this this is me as fan here, probably the most invested I've ever been in moguls, and the biggest eruption of cheers ever. You winning the Crystal Globe. I, I still say to this day, no matter when I watch moguls, I'm like, if you see Chloe ski the year she won the Crystal Globe, best skiing I've ever seen. Um, the Crystal Globe or your silver medal, which one is your preferred? It's hard to say because I, I I I love my Olympic medal, but the Crystal Globe was a a perfect year for me. Like what I had in mind, what I needed to do on the hill, I did it. I, there was no doubt. Like I didn't need a coach. Like I was there, I knew exactly what to do and I did it. Of course there was ups and downs in that course. At some point, Justin took the lead and I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I miss the crystal globe. But then I, I went back in Japan and I was like, no, I get it. And <laughs> it's such a tight race all the time. So both of us were sleeping in the same room every single race having this tension but at the same time we were raising up each other but every mm-hmm. like it it was such a it was hard but for me it was a yeah it was a big achievement you know like when you have something in mind and you want to grab it like yeah. i grabbed the crystal globe <laughs> and you gotta say colin this this is colin's crystal globe interview this is his right now. It is. Yeah. It's the ultimate right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maxim, your question, uh, you already mentioned it. You were in Beijing as a mentor, which uh, I asked Ben, I'm like, I don't think we've talked to any athletes who have been back in that capacity before. Can you just give us little little bits of your experience doing that and how you actually got involved in that? Yeah, sure. Uh, the Canadian Olympic team is, I think, really um, ahead of the game, thinking of ways of supporting athletes. And one of the ways that actually started back from Sochi at the time, it was Jean-Luc Croissant, one of the athlete mentors. And he did help us a lot uh, going through all the media when it was our moment. And I really believe into mentoring. Um, As athlete, I've had people that I've learned from uh, that changed my life, mentored me. And I guess it also stems from the fact that I'm a big sister. Um, I like to nourish and, and say, it's okay. I've been through it. It's normal. Um, so it was um, kind of my way now that I'm retired to give back and still be involved into sport because I still love the sport dearly. And it's uh, it basically was an open um, uh, job application uh, for uh, ex-Olympians 
And we are in charge of the athlete lounge, making sure that it's a welcoming place where you can just have food, relax, eat, watch the, watch the, uh, the games. So I'm, I thought it was the best job in the world. It's like hosting a party, making sure all your guests are feeling cozy and comfortable. And then you just get to have, um, I, I think number one thing to have in this role is a good listening ear. Um, if people want to talk and that you're open, then they they will, they will talk. And you, um, I was lucky to be in the Beijing village which meant that I was with sports that were going to have many events throughout the whole two weeks. So I got to see athletes evolve, getting, getting through um, challenges or having very high joy. So it was a, a very fun position for me to be uh, still loving the sport. And I was very grateful for that position. And that made me, that made it possible as well to, to be there for my sister. So it was a, a well-rounded um, experience. Johnny yeah, got some good news from the actors. <laughs> <laughs> Justine, that's good reviews, Max. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, you, you, even in this interview, I could see the mentorship, like, you know, just being able to <laughs> pump people up and everything. I mean, you, you got a good career ahead of you. Uh, Justine, your question's going to be maybe the most off the wall, um, but your victory celebrations might be the most epic in sports history and you can never guess what it's going to be from one event to the next is there any preparation that goes in or is it is it all just like this is how i react in the moment i love that question i never did ask that one no it was all um all prepared of course <laughs> in front of the mirror the morning of <laughs> no it was just like being like yeah, me into Dilo's emotion. Like I never really thought of it. It was just like expressing my joy <laughs> on his purest level, I guess. I'm I'm really um like you can tell, uh I express myself a lot um whenever I'm happy or really angry. So whenever I'm happy, clearly <laughs> I can show it to the camera. So no, I think that's really being myself out there and I think yeah, the people who knows me really well are really not surprised, I guess, <laughs> of those reactions of mine. But yeah, I, I think for me, knowing that I always had this stage, um, this opportunity to show the world, I always wanted to promote happy. And I think that's how I envision a victory should be like you know like mm -hmm. it should be authentic to their self it should be a proud moment and a lot of joy and happiness for me like that's how i envision a champion and that's how i always wanted to show up myself and to be able to do that well you just have to be yourself and and be vulnerable in front of the whole world and if you're really fucking happy, then show it to the camera. <laughs> Colin, show it to the I'm camera just, right now. You're really fucking happy. Give it to your recreation. I, 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 I'm, just, I'm the only person, I'm the only person on the line right here who has thrown a chair in front of a camera. So that that's, <laughs> I have that in me too. Um, question for all three of you. This is, uh, this is something we're asking all the mogul skiers now. Really quick answer. I just want to get like immediate response. We finally have dual moguls coming to the next Olympics, but before that was announced, we were kind of theorizing on air about what about like a, uh, a a combined event or a team event. You know, you pair up 
female skier with a male skier, one goes and the other one goes. Now, if that were possible, you can go past, present, future. If there's anybody you know who isn't quite on the World Cup circuit yet, each of you pick one male skier if you were paired up with, if you're going for the Olympics in a combined event. Well, I mean, I'm like, I think we will all select Nick. (laughs) (laughs) That's the obvious answer. (laughs) Mick is the goat uh, for Canada, for sure. I mean, that's, well, that would be my answer for sure. Mm-hmm. And then Dale Beg Smith as number two. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's technically kind of Canadian. Everybody, well, most, I would say guys from the Canadian team, because most of them are really kind of tense. Um, some teams are not that consistent, so I, like, yeah, I would bet on my teammate, but um, like Justin said, Mick for sure is the most cons- constant, he, he knows exactly what he needs. But why don't we we didn't have the team event at those Beijing games? Yeah, every yeah. sport has them. Yeah. We were like, exactly. what? There's a team event in that sport. <laughs> And yeah. this is one of the original freestyle skiing events like that. We talked about that. Like, why Why is it taking this long even for there to be a second team of, or a second event for moguls? Eileen mm-hmm. Goo walks yeah. in and wins like 20 gold medals straight away. It's like, <laughs> come on, everybody else has been around since the 90s. Where's their chance to win 20 in one Olympics? Come on. Yeah. Uh, we do have a, a final set of questions, which we'll get to. But just before you get to that, I want to plug a little TV show that you all appeared in that you may have been the stars of, um, which... I want to I want to petition anybody out there who works for Crave TV to get an English subtitle version because I <laughs> watched your version in the limited French I still remember just because it's it's your show no trying to way. pick up what I can here and there but there needs to be an English subtitle version uh, but uh, anybody uh, have any you know comments on the show we had Tessa Virtue on I think it was last year and she didn't have very kind things to say about her TV show but uh, <laughs> I, yours seems like it was a lot more genuine and more documentary like I mean uh, are you guys up for a season two is there a possibility that uh, we no well, it's not yeah we wish it's not in the book right now but the way we um decided to do it was to keep it authentic uh and through to ourselves and showing what's behind closed doors because nobody understands the way we are and everyone's always concerned about competition and we're like no there's none and it's really hard to understand unless i think you see us like buzzing around each other and and understanding how deep our bond is and it was the goal of that tv show and we were very proud of and happy on how it actually what it we imagine is what we saw uh so mm-hmm. it's really true I, to ourselves i have a question what part did you like the most justine uh-huh. picking up some cake in the garbage or <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that that's going to be the highlight right there. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to duplicate yeah, it here. That was but... <laughs> Colin's actually learning yeah, French so he can watch it. Like he's purely like French <laughs> lessons every night, just purely so he can watch it and understand it. Really. So. Oh my now, God. We'll, I, our... ask, we'll ask Craig for sure. Please do. Please do. Cause I'm sure you have a little bit more pull than we do. Um, but uh, <laughs> our final set of questions. Now, this is something that, I'm, I'm going to hope all three of you answer this. So uh, it started during the Rio Olympics, but they did it for Pyeongchang as well. So Team Canada gave the athletes all a questionnaire that you filled out in your own handwriting. And there were some pictures attached. 
And the only one that's actually available online is Chloe's. So we're going to ask all three of you the same questions Chloe got. And I'm actually curious to see if Chloe, your answers match up now five years later um, and drawing but, uh, can i say chloe your drawing is amazing you've got some good yes. skills there yeah and you know what we 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 have had some of our guests who have submitted drawings one was sophie ash uh so there no pressure but if you wanted to re-answer any of these questions with a new drawing we will accept it and post it on social media uh, oh now, i'm guessing none of you remember this just from the expressions on your faces but uh no nope. <laughs> any of this jogs your memory so uh the first question is uh well the first question is hello my name is but we know what your names are uh my favorite olympic moment is so we'll, we'll do this in order we'll go oldest to youngest so favorite olympic moment maxime chloe and then justine uh my like, own it just any, across the board at large? yeah can be your own can be any mm. i guess my sister's podium our olympic our such experience yeah okay yeah, I, I would say the same, but you or, did say that. Just fun fact. That's what you, you answered. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I will follow along, okay. and, and I would just said that this that it would be actually the, the the podium that we swept in that cycle. Okay, that works. Um, now let's let's go the opposite order this time around, shall we? So let's let's start what youngest to oldest, I think. So uh, let's go with mm -hmm. if we could if I could have any. So you keep the middle, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if you could keep any superpower, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Um, I would be able to fly and spread <laughs> smile that's like what chloe envisioned my superpower to be Aww. so since then i i kept that one and okay yeah. i like that chloe i'm really hoping you're going to answer this because i've never seen this answer before and this is, yeah i want you to one. have the same answer no pressure from four years ago <laughs> four years yeah yeah oh my god what did i say uh, <laughs> I, well, right now, I would say that being able to change the... Ah! <laughs> All the pressure. Put too much pressure do, you want me, oh, do you want me to tell you what you said? Because this is... I love this idea. Wake up with myself being ready to go, getting prepared in a minute. That is a fantastic <laughs> superpower. Well, it was going to be... It was gonna, I, I was going to say if I have a superpower to be able to switch style of everybody, like... <laughs> So it wasn't the same. Yeah, that works. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Maxine, can Get you talk that? Get a minute. <laughs> um, um, I'm quite an imaginary girl, so it's like flying. Yeah. Uh, breathing underwater or talking to animals. That, uh, that one could never get answered. Like Aquaman mixed yeah. with like Doctor Doolittle or something like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I I just, I want to add, Justine, you answering that question gave me a laugh because I was thinking in my head, the only thing you have not done in your victory celebrations is fly. So I hope you answer fly. <laughs> <laughs> so Yay! one day maybe we'll see it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to skip this one, but it was draw a picture of one of your teammates. And you three have to see this picture Chloe drew because draw a picture of one of your teammates. She drew all three of you and wrote sisters. And it might be the single best drawing we've seen on this show. You got some skills, Chloe. You, you, you yeah. got this. Yeah. Seriously, we uh, see some shit on yes. this. We see some shit on these. When trust me, you can are a great drawer. Can we see it? 
Oh, let's, yeah. We can do this. I can share screen. This you is modern technology, share, yeah. isn't it? So let's try this. This is great for our uh, viewers. Let's see if this Just don't works. scroll to the next question. We don't want to spoil it for How's that? Can you, can you see that right Oh, there? you're giving oh, away the oh. next one. Look at wow. that. Oh. Now, okay, I'll scroll so down. Hang on. While left? I'm here, let's go down and see the other drawings you did here. This is your, your French bulldog and oh. like a giant flower. So, oh. you know. This is great work. How come that? Do you, do you, this is this is on the uh, if people want to see this this is back from uh, 2018 uh, oh so people who are watching this right now can see this so yeah this is um this is mm. what it is so yeah. blast from the past you know, Colin I, I researched the task eh? I I did it all <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get anybody else to do this for you did you uh, we, we've discovered no, that that's been the case. <laughs> All right, Colin. Yeah. I, we, I, I don't know if like you're reading the next question, so I don't think they were. It's all right. Yeah, it, it, we don't know if we gave this away for Chloe yet, but uh, we'll go again. Flip the order. Now go oldest, middle first. Again. Let, let Chloe okay, speak. Okay, fine. First. There you go, middle Chloe. Child you know what? First. I'm, Come on. I'm. I really should know better. I'm a middle child too, so I. <laughs> I, I want to go first now. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we'll start with Chloe. Uh, favorite spicy food. Or least favorite spicy food. I'm sorry. No, the least but favorite no, food. I gave Colin, the read the read, read right. the question. Least favorite food is. I gave away uh, your answer. Indian, but I don't like spicy at all. Like what a coincidence! You answered that in 2018. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's only been on screen and given away by me. <laughs> um, Maxime, you're you're what? Least favorite food. Um, I don't know what it's called, but it's when we were going in Japan, some of their menu had some very jelly kind of okay. food and just, food. Just, I don't, <laughs> well, I didn't know what it was, but it was very jelly. Um, not, not oh, my no. kind of thing. I, I remember you, what I hated the most. I thought you Max, you, wanted, you were going to China instead where mm. we had those kind of noodle or thing and it was just like super yummy until you hit that red bubble of that the ground like it looks like a red pepper but we need it was pictures. like tingling your tongue it wow. was oh, we like need- the worst feeling ever like it was like i can't feel my tongue <laughs> and it was just like so weird and so intense like in one second you couldn't feel your whole mouth and I was freaking out. So since then, I'm like, like really scared to those, <laughs> which have a name, but I don't remember. <laughs> okay, we've covered a lot of the East Coast and our least favorite foods here. <laughs> yeah, we learned. But, but can we just? I just want to clarify. Everyone's favorite food here is obviously poutine. Being from Montreal, like the greatest food in the world. Like, come on. No. no? It's okay. Ben, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Not truly Quebecois for this one i'm sorry like i love poutine but i'm not like obsessed with i'm it. just no. like i'm, no. I'm gonna with once a year okay this, that's that's my this best. is not to uh you this is not when it's necessary it's always necessary isn't it well, come on <laughs> see in ben's mind it is because ben ben was here in winnipeg uh, a couple of years ago and he had been traveling all over and he literally had got how many poutines did you get in how many different cities what? i think i think i was in canada at that point for like 28 days and i think i'd had like 20 this is when i used to be quite fat and you can probably see why um uh, i think i had 26 in 28 days yeah it was ridiculous yeah, um, I, I had to drive him across the city to a poutine-only place, and then still the next day he wanted to try the Burger King one across the street from my apartment. No, no way. 
Oh yeah. my god! I lost nearly hundred pounds yeah. since then, so you know, I was, I was. You can see why. It was, just, it was hundred pounds poutine. Yeah. yeah, I stopped eating poutine, and look at me now. Thank you very much. It was, it was the diet. Um, uh, this isn't on the question, but it's on other questions. I always like asking this. Growing up, who was your favorite childhood sports team? Let's start with Maxime, and we'll go. I don't know. You might all have the same. Did you have a? Were you all Habs fans growing up, or? Oh. No. No. Uh, right. no team. No team. No team. Okay. Uh, no, no team. team. No. No. Okay. No. But you know, too, too, too concerned playing ourselves. That works. <laughs> See, no, I would answer I, my oh. favorite team was Defrilla Point. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got a T-shirt? Like, are, are you they, too kind? Are there Defilla Point like merch? Like, can we get Colin a T-shirt or something I, like that? Or do you, do you have I them look, all? Sorry, Colin. <laughs> I didn't see a men's line. Oh, come <laughs> on. Oh. We're not yet in the men's line. Colin. Sorry. But I've some, offered, some, though. Some <laughs> men's do buy Tissé stuff. Like, it yeah. happens. Well, <laughs> I already told my wife, I'm like, you know, I want you to check this out. Think about Christmas. You might I, want to put it on your Christmas and I just, list. And I just want to point out one thing too. Uh, we were, I just, I love embarrassing Colin. Just before this interview started, uh, Colin told his wife who he was interviewing today and his wife then did say, remember you are <laughs> married and have children. So um, he's just been reminded that today for this interview. Well, so. one, one, of the, one of the upcoming questions here will oh. actually uh, remind Don't remind ask him you. to marry you, Colin. <laughs> no. You are married. No, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, which well, I'll jump to the, the different question here, though. My favorite vacation spot is, and then there's the the addition on there because. So let's start. Let's go, Justine, Chloe, and then Maxine for this. I would say uh, on a boat because it reminds me of my childhood, and I just love being on water. For me, it's um, yeah, it's like heaven. Chloe, I would. Have- the same as Justine because I do have a as well, but I would say Bahamas because yeah, was right. it's the most beautiful water that I've ever seen. And I, I was going to say that's where my wife and I went on our honeymoon 10 years ago next week. So oh, happy anniversary, Jamie. Um, <laughs> he went there because of his love for James Bond, not because of his I, wife. Uh, well, that's the other part. <laughs> yes, thank you, Ben. I'm just going to shut um, up. Colin's going to just quit the show after today. <laughs> yes, uh, I dragged her to see James Bond sights on our first day of our honeymoon. Um, um, uh, Maxime, your, it, 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 it paid off. I mean, she loved it. Uh, Maxime, your favorite vacation spot? Anywhere with the ocean beach. Sun, hot weather. Beautiful. <laughs> the, the summer, the summer flips on the side of that winter one. Um, I, I'll, I'll make this the last one, and I'll, I'll give it to Colin to wrap up. But uh, if you could, each of you, be an Olympian in any other sport besides your own, mm-hmm. what would it be? And I'm going to start. Let's start with Chloe again. Let's go middle again. Yes, I'm glad that you choose me first because Justin is always staring my answer. So <laughs> I, I beach volleyball. This was always my answer, so well, I make it clear. Four years ago as well, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm not yeah. enough tall, though. <laughs> Let's go, Justine, this time. Let's go. Well, if Cooley would have gone to volleyball, I would have followed anyway, so I guess it would be volleyball. <laughs> got a partnership there for Paris, you guys. Less than two years to qualify. You got time. You can do it. <laughs> I already asked. It just said no. She don't want to get oh, Chloe. to another Olympic game. <laughs> Come I on. know it's frustrating. We're not tall enough, dude. We have to. We're well, like, I, 
ten, ten years for Brisbane, come to Australia for an Olympics. I'll, I'll formally invite you for beach volleyball at the Brisbane <laughs> Olympics in ten years. You've got tons of time to get ready for that. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, Maxime, you, can, you, can join, you could join Maxime. You could be like rivals, you know. I could, uh, but I'd prefer a question. Ah, oh. nice. Ah. See, there you go. Dressage? Are you sort of into the or like more show jumping sort of things? I love both, but uh, probably show jumping. Okay. All right. I was going to hope we'll get you back on one day to explain dressage because we're still trying to work out what that is. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, hard to hard to grasp. Yes. Guess. All right, Colin, bring uh, it uh, home. Uh, before, <laughs> before we let you go, we'll give you an opportunity to plug one of the many things in what I think is now the Deferral Point Empire television, <laughs> merchandise, everything. Uh, but one at a time, you could also plug your social media. Um, Chloe, you get the privilege because so Justine doesn't steal your social media in her answer. Uh, <laughs> anything you want to plug, season two of a TV show, anything? No, uh, I just want to say that follow us. Uh, we have many projects to come. And um, there's a TCCA right now in all our store in Quebec. So you can buy uh, our merch. Great. Maxine? Yeah, I know it's. No. <laughs> Justin, you're gonna okay. go. Oh, sorry about that. Well, um, yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah, it's just for us so happy like we're so happy and excited to share, of course, our lives like everybody else on our social media. Uh it's pretty much our full name, uh, on Instagram and um on our own platform and we have Cesare, like Chloe said. Uh, yeah, it's our new uh, brand new collection is out, is online on few uh, websites, but on really small amounts. So don't wait too long uh, because they're gonna sell really fast. Colin's <laughs> buying a them all. small amount of clothes. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Right now at this moment. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. It was a pleasure Thank to meet you and have this conversation. It was so much fun. I, I was Thank absolutely you. honored, but again, Colin can have the last word here because uh, you know, he's been mm-hmm. talking about you this all week. Any anytime you want to come back on the show, you're welcome. If you want to replace certain people as co-hosts, you're also welcome. So just let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, you guys. Huge, huge thanks to the Frill Point Sisters, their management, for everybody listening, and Ben, again, thank you for lining up I've the got, best interview. Can I ask, can I ask this right now? Like, we've had some good people on this show. Um, you've interviewed some some big names in the past through this and another show. Is this is this your favorite? No disrespect this to is, any of our so other guests, but I don't want any disrespect. Like again, because moguls has always been like since we started the show, I've always said my number one favorite sport, even over hockey. Anytime we interview a mogul skier, that's the best interviews we have. Being able to interview the three, the three who are icons. This to me is probably the ultimate interview. I will say one that came close was another one. If anybody's watching on video, who is right behind me, that was pointed out as well, a, a little bit bigger than the Frillo Point sisters are on my wall, John Montgomery up there as well. But uh, yeah, just for the fact, this is my favorite sport. And 
really, I mean, them and Kingsbury, those those four are are probably the most recognizable and identifiable athletes with this sport here in Canada. I mean, really, anywhere in the world. So basically, I've got to get Kingsbury now to top this for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. To I mean, if you can get Kingsbury with Alex Bilodeau, with Jean-Luc Broussard. What about Dale? Trio. What if we get Dale? And when we get Dale in there, then it officially is the largest interview we've ever had. Yeah, Jesus. Um, that, let's just get every <laughs> mogul scare ever on one. But um, I, I think, like, it's, it's kind of interesting that, obviously, I generally only see moguls every four years, and a lot of that's from that Australian lens. And... Obviously, I live a lot of that fandom through you and my knowledge of, say, uh, the deferral points. This is, is through you. And it's 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 fascinating to, to live that. So, um, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this chat. I think it was fantastic. Learn a great insight into all three of them, even though, again, don't know who Meatloaf is. Like, I thought <laughs> at least Maxine wouldn't let me down. Um, Can we know? work out a percentage of how <sighs> many people answer Paradise by the Dashboard Light versus how many people don't know who Meatloaf is? See which number is higher. I, I just, I, I'm just disappointed. Like, I like I love Quebec and Montreal. <laughs> like, it's fantastic. But, like, I just didn't realize that the, the Quebecois was so isolated from the legend that is Meatloaf. Um <laughs> Like, I just, I don't get it. Um, so, well, next time I'm in Montreal, I'm just going to walk the streets of Montreal with a boombox playing like, it's just blasting. These people in Montreal go, Are you allowed to play meatloaf on the air? Because I swear you just infringe on copyright. He's dead. What's he going to do? Rest in peace, meatloaf. Um you know, but um, yeah, that that was the most disappointing part for it. But I got I got some embarrassing moments in there for Colin. It's all right. I I, I was just okay. waiting for Jamie to walk in every five minutes, like <laughs> tapping a foot, going, "Colin, are you still talking That's- to those three? <laughs> Come on now." Uh, honestly, anytime we have a moguls interview, I will be there a hundred percent. Um, and I don't think we have a mogul skier coming up next, but uh, do you have anything you want to talk about for our next interview or just leave it completely as a mystery? Look, I do like to keep things a little bit of a mystery, but I'll give a bit of a tease on some upcoming ones we've got. We're going, uh, keeping things a bit winter-based. We've got some bobsled action. We've got some snowboarding action. We've got plenty of action coming your way uh, in the coming weeks. And, of course, uh, you and Jared and I will be sitting down soon to, to have another chat soon. And uh, we're getting closer and closer to our, can you believe it, our one year to go to Paris 2024. Like it's insane to think wow. that we are only weeks away from us all coming together to do our usual episode we like to call it looking ahead to whatever the next games are. We did it for Pyeongchang, we did it for Tokyo, we did it for Beijing, and now we're going to obviously be doing it for Paris. So it's insane to think, Colin, that we are approaching 12 months to go to the Olympics. Because didn't we just have like 50 Olympics in the last couple of years? So I'm excited, but yeah, um, well, it's, yeah plenty to come here on the show. I don't want to jinx anything, but uh, if by some chance we get another Olympics delayed, we will be ranking the meatloaf albums. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> ranking the meatloaf songs that best fit in with the Olympics. Uh, yes. <laughs> Paradise by the Two Dashboard Light. bad. Antwerp. Uh, just they fit. <laughs> Very connected. Which mascots would sing the following meatloaf songs? <laughs> Izzy is a big two out of three ain't bad fan. Um, so, but uh, yeah, plenty to come on the show. Great interviews, great episodes. Uh, you can follow us on social media. Um, you can follow us on YouTube and watch this episode if you're only listening to it right now, which you are because you don't hear this part on YouTube. So check out our YouTube because you're not doing it right now. So what's wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> we'll be back soon with lots of interviews and uh, meatloaf and other things. Uh, shout out to the Birmingham Bull, and as always, go left. When the-
Back in old Napoli, that's a 